Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. It is Wednesday. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Bovey. Today we're going to be talking with Father Bernard Olszewski about the great charitable ministry of Cross-Catholic Outreach. Their motto is bringing food, shelter, and hope to the poorest of the poor. That part of our show is going to be pre-recorded, so we won't be able to take any calls with Father Bernard. But first, as always, we want to welcome everyone listening to us on KEDC 88.5 FM, Hearn Bryan College Station, and also welcome to our Central Texas listeners on KYAR 98.3 FM, Lorena Waco, and also welcome to our listeners in Palestine on KINF 107.9 FM. This part of our show is live, so if you want anything, uh, want to talk about anything happening at your parish and you want to tell all our listeners, please give us a call. Our number is 85-LOVE-RED-C. That's 855-683-7332. Again, that's 85-LOVE-RED-C, 855-683-7332. And just to make sure that our phone lines are working, we have a contest for you guys. This morning during the Patrick Madrid show, Patrick told everyone what his middle name is. So if you were listening this morning and you know what Patrick's middle name is, give us a call and the first correct answer wins two tickets to the Red Sea Benefit Dinner. So give us a call. Good morning, Thaddeus. How are you? Hey, Deacon Mike. Good morning. Sorry about the problem with the uh, bumper music. We had I had some uh, technical difficulties where the, the sound wasn't being relayed to the board. So that's why we had a, a silent, sneaky start. Well, I was going, I was going to hum, but then I decided <laughs> I better not. Uh, we'll do that sometime. <laughs> I don't o- think an so. Acapella intro. How's things going, Thaddeus? Um, great. I had a nice, really nice meeting with the Altar Society at St. Anthony's last night. Got to talk with them about um, the radio. Some of some of my my favorite shows. Gave them some recommendations. Um, talked with them about uh, why I think uh, what we try to do to uh, foster Catholic life here in the Bryan College Station area and how much we we appreciate the support that organizations like a Rosary, I'm sorry, an altar society, a Rosary Guild, the Knights of Columbus give us in addition to the parishes. You know, all those little facets of of Catholic life helped to support us. So, and I know my wife Marion was there and she said you did a great job. So, well, thank you. I was say, I told her I said it was really nice to have a, a friendly face in the audience. You a friendly face that I knew. All those faces were <laughs> were friendly. Careful, Thaddeus. <laughs> um one of the things that I wanted to mention to our listeners is this week, our priests in the diocese are on their convocation, and I want to remind our listeners that our priests need our prayers, so especially while they're getting together with the bishops, um, say a prayer for them. And um, 
also a good reminder that uh, we've been asked to incorporate the prayer of St. Michael into our daily prayers, especially for the situation in the church. So in addition to praying for our priests, I ask everyone to try to incorporate a prayer of St. Michael in your daily prayers Mm -hmm. for the situation Mm -hmm. in the church. Do you feel up to briefly sketching out the the story that gave rise to that that prayer? It's a a pretty um, stirring story. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it, it goes back to uh, 1884, Pope Leo the 13th, and he was saying Mass in private Mass in the Vatican. And in the middle of, um, before the Mass was completed, he s- stopped dead. Um, he didn't drop dead, but I mean, he stopped speaking. And for, I think, for about 10 minutes, he was completely silent and had this ashen look on his face. Um, and what looked like he was staring off. He was in the middle of a vision, and the crux of the vision was that he heard our Lord speaking with Satan, and Satan asking for, give me a hundred years and more um, power over your um, over those who, who listen to me, and I will destroy your church. And the Lord said, you shall have it. And so Pope Leo's response to this was to compose this St. Michael prayer, and it was appended to the end of every low mass that was said, and then that was, um, that was rescinded after the Second Vatican Council. And so now this, this call to pray this prayer um, on a regular basis is being resurrected, I guess you might say. And I know several of the bishops in various dioceses have reinstituted the prayer of St. Michael after Mass, mm-hmm. and I know at St. Anthony's the daily Masses all conclude with the prayer of St. Michael's, and they have for uh, St. Michael, and they have for years. For years, okay. I did not know that. I did not know that. Uh, one other other thing that's probably worth talking about is. We have our benefit dinner coming up. Yeah, we do. Speaking of the saints, I mean, we just got done celebrating the Feast of the Archangels, St. Michael's Feast Day, and then the Feast of the Guardian Angels, which was yesterday. yesterday. And our whole theme is going to be the saints, um, Catholic heroes, past and present. It's on All Saints Day, November 1st, Thursday, November 1st of this year, Holy Day of Obligation, but you're in luck. There's Mass at St. Thomas Aquinas at 6 p.m., and we have moved our benefit dinner open doors at to 7. So come to Mass at St. Thomas Aquinas if you uh, if that, that works for your situation, and then come right over to the pack, and there'll be cocktail hour and cocktail half hour. And then um, we'll start serving the meal at 7.30 until we get our... Guest speaker Tom Peterson with Catholics Come Come Home, the president and founder. And his address is going to be about the need for more Catholic heroes in our day. And some tips and kind of a philosophy of, of life, you might even say, of how you can mold yourself to greater holiness and how you can take you can step out and and take um, chances to introduce the faith to a stranger or maybe a coworker. Um, 
and you can be that that light in the in the darkness. And I, I think, think it's very apropos for the for the holy day, and I think it's very apropos for the time in which we find ourselves. And all of us need to be reminded that we are all called to be saints. That's right. And uh, if you look at the history of the church, every time we've had instances where the church really needed to be renewed, there was a saint there to foster that, and mm-hmm. we certainly need one now. Mm-hmm. New saints are going to be raised up for sure. We, we have hope in that. Uh, we have confidence in that. And we hope that this will be uh, some fertilization of the, of the ground by having this benefit dinner. And we know that people love to come out for the, um, the fraternity and the, the camaraderie. Um, and we know that people want to come out and support this radio station that helps forge those bonds between the parishes and amongst all the organizations and, and groups in our community. Um, and we sure need it. We, have a, we still have our monthly deficit that we're trying to work down. We want to knock out that monthly deficit through our new and increased contributions that are going to come from that benefit dinner. And we want to get a handle on, on that and get that taken care of. So that's one major goal of the, of the benefit dinner. And you're going to hear about that while you're there. But you're also going to get an inspiring, I think, motivational talk from Tom Peterson, and we're really looking forward to it. So go to redsearadio.org slash benefit, redsearadio.org slash benefit. Get your $25 tickets, reserve a table. If you know of someone who you'd like to invite, but uh, maybe they aren't of means to be able to purchase those tickets, we will have a limited number of scholarship tickets and, and seats. And so you can contact us about that, and and we can make that happen. Um, but again, redsearadio.org slash benefit to uh, get yourself a seat at the table. And of course, you can get two free tickets if you listen to Patrick Madrid and you know what his middle name is. Mm-hmm. Call uh, in now. At- yes, the numbers are 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. Two free tickets to the benefit dinner. One of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit is I went to a retreat at Cedar Break this past weekend. Um, The new spiritual director there is Father Albert Haas, who has a radio show with his sister Bridget, which is aired on our radio station. Mm -hmm. And... um, if you haven't been to a retreat, I would encourage everyone to take the time to go on a retreat. Uh, Cedar Break, uh, they have a link on our diocesan website, and you can check out the schedule and see if there's something that fits your schedule that we would like to go to. But also, Cedar Break is bringing a retreat to St. Joseph's Catholic Church here in Bryan. It's Tuesday, October 30th, 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., and the title of the retreat is Listening to the Voice of God. And um, I invite you, if you have uh, time, to come uh, see this. It is uh, presented by uh, Father Albert Haas, and um, it's uh, based on his best-selling book called Saying Yes, Discovering, Responding to God's Will in Your Life. It's The cost is only $35 and includes lunch. So, Go on the Cedar Break website at cedarbreak at austindiocese.org. 
um, and uh, email them or go on uh, or call 254-780-2436. So um, if you have not been on a retreat in a while or have never been on a retreat, here's your opportunity to go uh, listen to a great speaker and be inspired. Uh, Thaddeus, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is the resources we have on our website about what's going on in the church. Yeah, we have, going back to the end of July of this year, we started, it was it was Dennis's uh, impetus to start putting together a page on the website that was just kind of a, a clearinghouse or a landing page for statements and letters uh, news, some analysis, prayers that can people can take to to keep people informed and up to date on the crisis that has uh, enveloped Holy Mother Church in the la- over this this summer, really, and now into the fall. As of now, um, we don't say this as a boast, but just as a as a factual matter, there are 106 links uh, dealing with this situation. And they are divided into statements and letters sections. So that would be anything issued by a bishop. Any the uh, copy of Archbishop Viganos two letters are there. Um, statements from the USCCB, etc. Then straight news articles and stories, which are supposed to just be reporting the facts without without commentary or opinion in them. And and we've been tried we've tried to really be discriminating about making sure that that section really is is simply the who what when where kind of thing. Then an, an analysis and commentary section where you are going to get opinion, you are going to get um, people trying to break certain elements down and looking at the causes and the underlying um, effects. And then prayers and actions. So different kinds of regimens of prayer, different sorts of penitential actions that, that uh, you can take or you can invite others to, to do with you. All of that's there on our website. There's a, a banner uh, image that you can click on right on the front page and it will take you to that page. And then you can make a bookmark in your own browser and, and just go back to it whenever you uh, feel uh, inclined to. And then sometimes we'll also put stories on our out on our Facebook page that we feel are particularly uh, noteworthy at, at a time. So, what I really like about this resource page is one of the struggles in our culture is sifting through fact and opinion. Yep. And so it's really important sometimes that we don't jump to conclusions based on opinions mm-hmm. and we base our conclusions on the facts. And so having it differentiated where we can see what we know right. and what somebody thinks we know. Right. And so we need to be careful that we don't draw conclusions based on people's opinions Yeah. because those will quickly lead us astray. Yeah, that's that's well said, and especially something like this where you're talking about a large institution. Uh, there are issues of uh, confidentiality and uh, prudence about not wanting to not wanting to cause scandal. And um, anyway, there's a lot. There's then you get into this is what we know, this is what we think we know, this is what we would like to know or wish we knew. 
um, what do we need to still know? There's all those those questions, and it requires a lot of um, patience and um, discriminating consumption of um, the news, I think. But we should, as Catholics, be aware of the situation and inform ourselves into what we need to know. Yes, yeah. And I, I would just like to also add, um, you know, that, that second Hail Mary that you pray at the beginning of a rosary, which is for an increase in hope, <laughs> boy, keep this thing in the front of your mind when you pray that second Hail Mary, because boy, we gotta, you've got to have hope. Uh, I think hope is so necessary in navigating this crisis and, and getting through it. Yes, it's the understanding that we trust God, mm-hmm. and in spite of sometimes the darkness of the storm, mm-hmm. we need to realize the clouds do pass, mm-hmm. and God is in charge, and Man cannot disrupt the plan of God. Right. We can only disrupt it for ourselves. We make bad choices and we move away from God. So hope is a foundational, cardinal, uh, um, theological w- virtue. Yep. Yep. For that very reason. Yep. So. And it seems to be a pattern in in God's church that we have these cycles of uh, being very close to Him and then and then moving away from Him and uh, being brought back through. Uh, chastisement, embarrassment, scandal, um, all the like. It's happened many times before. That's not to mitigate what's going on now, but it's simply um, perspective. Well, stating a fact that man is involved, man is fallible, and things will happen. Mm -hmm. And one other thing that I would like to mention, speaking of retreats, uh, the Franciscan Day of Reflection Living a Balanced Life is coming up this Saturday, October 6th, at St. Anthony's Church here in Bryan from 9 to 2 in the Malinowski Center. Lunch will be provided, and the only admission is a a baby item for Phoebe's home, things like diapers, formula, towels. And uh, please, if you're planning on going, RSVP to Arms of St. Francis F.O. at gmail.com and uh, they would like you to RSVP since it is this Saturday by tomorrow. So uh, I would like everyone that if you're interested uh, in checking out uh, the Arms of St. Francis, uh, this is a great opportunity to especially enter into this day of reflection. As I mentioned at the top of the show, at the other side of our break, we'll be talking to Father Bernard Olchewski and uh, we'll be talking about cross-Catholic outreach wonderful ministry and um, as I mentioned it's pre-recorded so we won't be able to take any phone calls so we'll see you on the other side of the break and we'll save those two free tickets for some other contest I guess uh, I guess All this I can, I am. And welcome back to the Red Sea Roundup. As I mentioned at the top of the show, 
This segment of the show is pre-recorded, so we won't be able to take any of your phone calls, but I certainly hope that you will enjoy this interview with Father Bernard Olszewski, and I hope I got that name right, who is with Cross Catholic Outreach. Father Bernard, how are you doing? I am just fine, Deacon. How about yourself? I am doing well. And before we get too far into the interview, what exactly is Cross-Catholic Outreach? Well, Cross-Catholic Outreach is an organization that was founded in response to the teaching of Christ in the Gospels about the priority of caring for the poor. And so our mission is to link parishes in the United States with um, uh, partners, mission partners throughout the world and provide an opportunity for the American church to participate in the missionary life of the church. And it's a reminder that all of us are called to be missionaries, even if we never leave our hometown. We still have an obligation to be missionaries. Because we are all baptized into the life of Jesus, who is priest, prophet, and king. So we must be prophets of the gospel. Yes. Now, how did you personally get to be part of this? What was your background? Tell us a little about yourself. Um, I was born in New Jersey and entered the seminary of the conventual Franciscan friars when I was 18 years old. Um, I completed my studies after many years <laughs> and was sent to Buffalo, New York, where I was, began a teaching career in a Catholic college south of the city. And I was doing that a number of years when a f friend of mine, a classmate from our Roman seminary days, called me and invited me on a mission trip to Haiti. And I went with him, spent a week in Haiti, and my heart was changed. I knew that I needed to do something, but I also knew that I was not graced with a missionary vocation in the sense of being able to commit to the work in the missions themselves. And so I began preaching for cross-Catholic outreach on a part-time basis, continuing to teach my classes and continue to fulfill my obligations at the college. And then, by the grace of God, um, change happened at the college. The sister, who was the president, was retiring, and the new administration coming in was not going to align with my sense of values and so I switched um, basically my vocation midstream. Mid and what I did was 
I actually left the conventual Franciscans, and I was incarnated in the Diocese of St. George's in Grenada, in the Caribbean, with the idea that I would preach full-time on behalf of cross-Catholic outreach, and in this way help to support my diocese, as well as the poor throughout other countries served by cross-Catholic outreach. Now, just curiosity on my part, is there a requirement for you to go to Grenada on any regular schedule? To... Not on a regular schedule, but we can, there are two other Americans who are also members of the Diocese of Grenada working for cross-Catholic outreach. And so we are in touch with our bishop, either going to Grenada, which is usually every other year, perhaps. And in the off years, the bishop comes here to the States to meet with us. One of the benefits of modern communication, it makes those sort of long-distance relationships, especially uh, in other countries, much more feasible. It certainly does. One of the questions I also had is you mentioned going to Haiti and, uh, of course, being incarnated at uh, Grenada. What other countries is cross-Catholic outreach right now busy in projects with? We are involved in about 39 different countries throughout the, the globe. Uh, we are in the Caribbean, uh, countries like Grenada, um, Haiti, Dominican Republic, Jamaica. We are in Central and South America, um, among which are Guatemala, Nicaragua, Honduras, Belize, Guyana, Mexico, Colombia, Peru and Ecuador. In Asia, we're in the Philippines, Vietnam, China, and Afghanistan. And in Africa, from Ethiopia and Kenya down to Zambia, Mozambique, and Malawi. Have you had the opportunity to visit several of these nations where cross Catholic outreach is busy in ministry? Yes. Yes, I have been blessed to be able to see the work that we do firsthand. I have a special place in my heart for the Diocese of Santa Rosa de Lima in Guatemala because I've watched the progression of the people's faith and their lives as we have continued to walk with them on their faith journey. One of the blessings that I have always seen in Catholic missionary work is, to me, it always seems to differ from some of the other efforts from other denominations, from other religions, is that we, as Catholics, believe that first we are Christ to others in helping them, and in our work we preach the gospel, rather than preaching the gospel and then helping and I noticed, uh, you know, talking to you and listening to you, that 
the emphasis is so much on what we do for the people. For them and with them, yes. Because ours is an integrated concept of work. You can't change people's lives without helping to change their hearts. And so all of our programs are truly integrated in terms of faith development as well as physical, emotional, and spiritual development. Now, the needs vary by country. What are some of the needs that Cross-Catholic Outreach is addressing in some of these nations? I would say for the most part, the three fundamental uh, aspects are food and clean water and adequate housing. Those are the, the fundamental needs. But in addition to that, education, by all means, and health care. Which of these would you say is the most pressing in the majority of the countries? Probably food insecurity. And how I does think that so much of the health concern and all of the other issues, even the ability to continue in the educational process for children has to do with food scarcity for families. If families don't have enough to eat, their children have to go to work. And so it's, it's imperative that we try to address that need first. And in what ways does Cross, uh, Catholic Outreach address the need of food insecurity? We do it a couple of ways. Um, certainly we work, ours is a concept that we do not develop projects. We recognize faith-based communities in the countries in which the people live, and they're doing great work. But more often than not, they don't have the adequate resources to be able to continue the work or develop it, enhance it. And so when we recognize those opportunities, those are the perfect occasions for us to step in and be of assistance. And so in some cases, it is supplying food, such as um, their packets of food called manna packs or vita food, depending on the country. And it's produced by an organization here in the States called Feed My Starving Children. Rice and beans and vegetables and soy all fortified with vitamins and minerals and iron. And that's packed in plastic bags. And those bags have to be emptied into a quart of water. It's boiled for a half hour. So even where you can't drink the water, people can still eat. And each of those packets will feed six people. So when those are distributed in a country 
and a 40-foot shipping container is enough to feed 225,000 people a meal. So it's in that way we can provide direct uh, assistance to people. At the same time, we have agricultural projects which help people to learn how to work the soil better, use natural fertilizers, um, increase the yields of their crops, and obviously to feed themselves, hopefully sell some of the excess and then reinvest those monies back into their villages. So in addition to helping with food insecurity, you're also building a future for the people in agriculture. Yes. The ideal in this world would be to um, create a project that is so good that we're not needed anymore. (laughs) Working yourself out of a job. Yes, exactly it. (laughs) Uh, You had mentioned that in some of the countries, they don't have drinkable potable water. Uh, yes. And uh, I know Cross Catholic Outreach does something about that also. What are you involved in with that? We have several water projects, uh, several types of water projects. So in some places, it's collection of rainwaters and the purification of rainwaters. In others, it's the actual drilling of wells. And so in Central America, for example, Central and South America, we have a lot of well projects. And part of that then is to, again, create a system whereby whole villages will have access to that with conduits going actually into homes and having running water, fresh running water, in their homes themselves. We normally take water for granted, here in this country, but that's not the case in a lot of these countries. Not at all. Even in places where we would think that potable water should be easily available. But, for example, in um, a village called Chulapa in Guatemala, these were people who were forgotten. They prayed for a well for 30 years, never gave up faith. And we came around, I, I, it was providential, and we dug a well with them. I can just imagine the response that after 30 years of praying, when that well mm-hmm. finally produced water. Yes. I was there the day after they began the drilling of the well. And I was with a group of seminarians from Boston who were engaged in a mission experience. And we went to the the drilling site and we asked, could we say a decade of the rosary with them for the success of the drilling and for abundant, clean water. And a laywoman, whose name is Umbelina, uh, said to us, no, 
She said, we'll pray a whole rosary. And they knelt down in the middle of the road, and there we prayed the rosary. It was an experience in which all I could think of in that moment was from Exodus. Moses, take off your shoes. You are standing in a holy place. That is a beautiful story. I think we don't appreciate sometimes the impact that we can have on the lives of other people if we just find the right avenue of reaching out. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about food. We've talked about water. What are some of the other ways that Cross Catholic Outreach tries to help out? We help to support orphanages, homes for the aged, homes for children with special needs, a lot of education, because we know that if we can break the cycle of poverty, then people can, in fact, advance, not just in this generation, but generations to come. And it's going to occur through education. And so in almost every country that we serve, we deal with education at some level. Scholarships or the maintenance of schools themselves, sometimes the building of schools, um, providing meals for schools so that children are able to learn, because if they have no food in their stomachs, there's no way they're going to learn. And all of the things necessary to provide a good and quality education, again, not just of book learning, but of the heart and the mind and their faith. So depending on the situation, Cross-Catholic Outreach provides the whole gamut of from building a school to maintaining the schools to providing education, providing meals— We support projects across the board addressing all of those things. And it all depends on the project and the need and what we believe that we are best equipped to address in that situation. And so um, how do you discern which projects are worthwhile supporting and which ones either don't seem to be going forward, or uh, is there someone in charge of making those assessments? Yes, there is. <laughs> um, our CEO president, Jim Kavnar, has been involved in not-for-profit work for all of his adult life. And he has worked in projects in the developing world probably now for... I'll say maybe 50 years. And it is Jim, actually, who makes those decisions in uh, discussion with project officers in the countries where we assist because we don't simply say, oh, here, you know, here's money or it is here's material for a project, 
we actually follow up on everything that we do, and there is an accounting. There is uh, there are reports given, so we know the efficacy of our work. Um, many of the projects are referred to us because of other work that we have done. And uh, when you get referrals, then you look at the project, see if it is workable. Yes, if it is something that fits within the general scope of, of our possibilities, because certainly we would never take on a project that we could not see to completion. Because this is one of the things. We are an organization which literally is in for the long haul. We, uh, when we commit to a project, we are in a long-term commitment. And one of the concerns that you hear a lot about uh, Catholic charitable works is the concern of partnering with organizations that might not have the same moral vision that we do as Catholics. Is there some yeah. discretion there as to who? we might not want to associate with, even though the project might be worthwhile? Yes, there are. We make sure that all of the partners, if, if it's a number of partners, that all of the partners um, commit themselves to the fundamental values of Catholic theology, and that there are instances in which we have withdrawn from a project because the people on the ground have moved away from their original intent and no longer have a faith element as part of their uh, their operation. And so we have removed ourselves in those situations. But for the most part, we deal with um, religious communities. We deal directly with bishops. We deal with faith communities on the ground. So we are in terms of uh, the work that we do, we are on solid Catholic theological footing. And I think that's important because it is a concern for a lot of people when they're discerning what do I support, what do I not support, to yeah. know that, you know, if you choose to support cross-Catholic outreach, that it is a truly Catholic... Catholic. And I, uh, we are, it, it, I may be mistaken in this, but I believe I'm, I'm accurate in saying that we are the only organization of our type that is not directly sponsored by the uh, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops or, um, you know, National Council of Bishops, that uh, a private organization we are the only one uh, doing work as we do that has the official approval of the Vatican. We went through the process of receiving our status as a canonical institution, and we were approved at that time by Cor Unum, which was the Holy Father's um, philanthropic arm it's, you know, a heart of love, right. one heart. And 
that has been now assumed into a new Vatican office uh, for integral human development. But it's under Cardinal Peter Turkson that we continue to have our canonical status as a Catholic institution. So that all being said, if any of our listeners are interested in supporting your work, and I mean, it is vital that you get support from everyday Catholics, otherwise this doesn't work. That is exactly it. So how does one go about finding out how to give, (laughs) where to give? The easiest way, the easiest way to find more information um, or and perhaps to be able to make a donation is to go to our website, which is crosscatholic, a single word, crosscatholic.org. And at the website, you can discover who we are, look at our uh, board of bishops who are our, our directors. You can see our canonical status. You can see the projects, look at the countries. You can look at the work that we do by country, by type of project, um, all of those things. And you can look at the possibility of hosting an outreach preacher for a parish, as it was in Bryan, uh, who would come on the weekend to celebrate liturgies, hear confessions, and raise awareness of the plight of the poor and our responsibility to them. And there is a, a spot on the website where you can donate safely and securely. Now, if someone's on the website and there is a particular project that they feel called to support, can they choose to just support that program or? Yes. Yes, they can. And we pledge integrity in terms of our donations so that if monies are designated for a particular project, that's where the monies will go. There are projects on the website which will say at certain times, this project has been completely funded. We thank you. There, here are some similar types of projects. And that's good to know. Uh, one, that you know there are projects that actually are funded in full, but also that there are similar projects out there that still need support, that if you're drawn to this one, perhaps you will choose to support perhaps one exactly like it. Or, yes, exactly. Now, I noticed on the website that also, and this is for those people that uh, uh, perhaps don't listen to Catholic radio, which I would find shocking, uh, but um, if, for instance, a, uh, I noticed a priest can choose to be a part-time um, yes. spokesperson. Yes, we are, we are always looking for part-time preachers as well. There are perhaps about 20 of us who are full-time preachers for cross-Catholic outreach, which means that we make a commitment for 48 weekends of the year to be on the road. But most clergy can't do that. Uh, In my particular case, I, I kid that I left the religious community founded to be itinerant preachers 
in order to become an itinerant preacher. But most people can't do that, and so um, we would love to have um, priests who are interested and perhaps able to do um, maybe a, a weekend or one weekend a month or one weekend every couple of months to contact us and see if it would be a good fit. And I think this is, especially today, there are so many people in need. And uh, so often people throw their hands up and say, you know, I don't know how to help, so I'm not doing anything. What can I do? Right. Yes. And, and this so- is a very concrete way on the part of clergy, on the part of the faithful. My, When people say to me, but Father... It's it just the needs are so so many. I always say, I don't think of that. I think I can change the world in this way through what I'm doing right now. And I know, I know that we are closer to the fulfillment of the kingdom because of it. Father Bernard, we're getting close to the end of the show. We've got three or four more minutes left. So before we uh, wrap up, one more time, would you give us the website where people can log on? And it is crosscatholic dot org. Single word crosscatholic dot org. Wonderful, and I encourage all our listeners to get on the website, check it out, and again, you can give securely and. Uh, Choose which project you would like to support, and uh, and please, please include your name on our intention list and the things that you would like us to pray with you for, because every day in the office, the workday begins with an hour of prayer, and those intentions are remembered every Tuesday. An added bonus to going on the website. Now, one thing. Uh, before we wrap up, what for you has been the most rewarding part of working with Cross Catholic Outreach? It has been the experience of the faith of the poor, which has put my faith to shame so many ways. Walking with them in their journey, learning from them how to trust in God without hesitation or doubt. That has been the biggest gift that anyone, anyone could have ever given to me. And on the flip side, what's been the most stressful or negative thing that you've experienced? In situations where I knew there was absolutely nothing that I could do. In um, uh, we celebrated Mass in a remote village in Guatemala, and a mother came trying to get medicine for her son. But the reality is that um, he had had a fever, which um, he was never going to become. Uh, he was never going to be able to be cured, um, and holding her 
and having her weep, knowing that I was totally and absolutely unable to do anything except to be with her in prayer. And I think for me, this was the biggest shock about ministry is so much of it is we're called to be present even though we aren't able to do anything about the situation. We're just yes. called to be there. And that to, is to hard be to do. Compassionate. Yes. yes. And um I do want to mention to everyone that if you do feel that, you know, you don't know what to do, one perfectly good way of doing something is going on the website, crosscatholic.org, choosing whichever project calls to you and supporting it as much as you can, because this is how we are missionaries here uh, without ever having to leave our home. Yes. Father Bernard, I want to thank you for being on the air. I really enjoyed you being here in Bryan, and I hope some of the parishes listening call and ask you to come speak to them to reach those people that might not have heard you on the radio. And uh, any last words you would like to share with us? No, I would just like to extend God's blessing. We celebrate the Feast of St. Francis this weekend, and so I would simply, simply like to um, share you know, Francis' blessing that may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face to you and smile upon you. May the Lord look upon you and give you his peace. Thank you, Father. And uh, next week, Gene Wilhelm will be your host. Until then, when evaluating the ways to share your time, talent, and treasure with the people of God, always round up. Since you wake up this dead man walking, shake off rumors and talk.